This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and Author House Publications. This is J. Douglas Barker. Today, we have the honor of visiting with author Adriana Rose, who has penned a book titled Trapped in the Middle. And I welcome to our show Adriana, also known as Audrey. Welcome, Audrey, and how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Tell me about your book. Is this a fictional work or is it a nonfiction? It's a nonfiction. Your birthplace was British Guiana. What sets this book apart? You've penned 156 pages. Tell us about this story. It's a story about my life um, from my days in my earlier days in Guyana, where I was born and grew up until I was about 19 years old. And at that point, I came to the United States. So I had a lot of um, different experiences home in Guyana and here, and I just felt that I had a story to tell. I know that there are people with similar stories, but I believe that mine is unique because it's mine. And even though someone may have something similar, that's their story. So um, that's why I think that mine is unique. And um, readers would be very interested in reading this. Already I'm getting a lot of positive comments from people who have purchased the book already and started to read it. Does this book have anything to do with your other career as a nurse? Um, no, not necessarily, no. Nothing to do with that. Tell me about the story. What motivated you to write this book? Okay, well, my motivation was basically my mom. It started with her. She lived with me after she got elderly. Then she got very sick, and um, she had a stroke, a massive stroke. And she was in the hospital, and um, we had just moved to that city. So I didn't know anything really about that hospital's reputation. And um, so she was there, and there were lots of problems and complications throughout her care. I had to be there all the time. And while this was going on, I was working full-time, and I was newly married to my second husband, and my daughter and him, my daughter who had just came back home from college, um, were having some issues. And so that's how I came to name the book Trapped in the Middle, because here I was trying to sort things out between the two of them, and at the same time trying to take care of my mom and making sure that she was getting the care she deserved to receive in the hospital. So I really felt trapped. And I felt that I wasn't getting support from anyone. I probably was, but in my state of mind at the time, it seemed as though I was getting a lot of support and that I was the only one trying to sort things out and make sure everything worked out fine. Although this is a true story, you have changed the names in the book to protect the folks that the story is about. What was the most difficult part of writing this book? The most difficult part was the one I just explained to you with my mom, 
because she was so ill and I was having issues. My husband and my daughter were having um, issues, and they're the two closest people to me. Um, so when I started to write, this was my incentive to do the book, this part of the book. But then this had happened many years ago. So when I decided that I would write a book, that was the most difficult part, and I almost didn't do it because it brought up so many emotions. And I was at a point where I don't think I should do this. This this, this hurts too much. And um, then I decided, you know what, just get the courage because you've come this far because that's more to the end of the book. And just go ahead and do it, and I was able to do it. In addition to the illness and the conflict in the family, is there an underlying message that you have put together and is the reason you wrote the book? Well, the underlying message is um, that even though times may be difficult, whatever times it might be, um, that you can get through it. You just have to be, um, how you would say it, you just have to persevere and know that, be strong and know that you can do it. Um, and also, if you believe in God, you know he's there. If no one else is there, he's always there. That will give you the strength to go through it. And um, I was able to get through it with whatever strength I was able to muster up. I was able to do it. Also, my job at the time, they were very good to me. So whenever I needed a, a day off at the last minute, I mean, that morning, I needed a day off because the lady that was taking care of my mom decided she wasn't going to show up. And, I mean, they never gave me a hard time or never mad at me or anything like that. So also, if you have support around you, you can do it. Also, another part of the book that that was hard for me, but that's because it's been quite a few years, it wasn't as bad. I was in an abusive marriage before. And I got through that, and, and, and that is probably my main goal, to tell people, young women, men, children, whoever are in it, that don't try to do it alone. You need to report it. You need it to tell someone. And as for women who are in abusive relationships, they need to get up and leave. There's no reason for them to take that, because I strongly believe once someone does that to you, that's a, a red flag that you need to get out of that relationship. In describing the story that you've written, would the term inspiration be a part of that? Yes. And who do you think this book would appeal to, and why? Well, I think it would appeal to all age groups, all races, ethnicity, because for the um, age groups, you can have abusive relationship that starts at a very young age. There's kids in high school, it's unbelievable, that, that are going through abuse, um, and they're afraid to tell anyone. Um, adults, young adults, um, middle age, even older people, and abuse is not only physical, it could be mental and verbal. And uh, some people put up with this for whatever reason. And also, as far as um, race, you find this in all races. It's not only in black or white or Spanish. I mean, you find it in the rich and the poor. So that's why I think it could appeal to a lot of people. And also, 
when I was taking care of my mom, this is the other subject, but she was not financial, she was not financially um, dependent. So even though I took care of her physical, the financial burden was on me also because the money that she received for Social Security was not enough to pay the person that I had to come in in the house to take care of her because she couldn't be left alone after her stroke. And with the um, Medicare, Medicaid, they want to give you somebody for two hours a day. And my mom needed round the clock, so I had to provide that. So, and I know that there's a lot of people that are um, wanting to take care of their elderly, their parents, and lots of times they end up putting that parent in a nursing home or something like that because of the financial situation. Yes. So that is um, that is another um, subject that I would like to get out there, and I did it. I mean, she's my mom. I did it. I, I, I made a lot of sacrifices, but I felt the need that I needed to do that for her. Is there anything that you would like people to take away from this work that perhaps you haven't covered at this moment? Um, I'd like them to take away that never to give up. I think that's my main focus. Do not give up easily. Um, life is a challenge, and the only way you're going to make it is you have to accept those challenges and do something to get get that over. Um, as when I said when I came here, I came at the age of 19 years old. I didn't have money. I didn't have anything. Um, so my cousin, four of us stayed together, and we all worked. And I knew at that point that I needed to go to school because I wanted to have a better life. And that was my reason for leaving my home in the first place. It wasn't. It was very difficult because I had no training, no job training. I came right out of high school. I worked in factories. Um, you know, I did what I needed to do, save up my money, and go back to school. There were a lot of hurdles throughout that because I worked. I wasn't supposed to be working at the time. I was on a student visa. I was even the immigration even came to my job place, and I was. Um, someone alerted me about that, so I had to leave that job right away. And, um, you know, I never gave up. I, I knew that somehow I wanted to do something, and I never gave up, and here I am. I went back to school, got my degree in nursing, very fulfilling, and um, that's what I've been doing over 30 years. And, and, and I, I just wanted to tell people not to give up that they can do it. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do it. You can do it. You just have to be strong and be willing to put, do the sacrifice and put in the time. That's commendable. Do you have any characters in the book that, or maybe unforgettable, that you'd like to highlight? I would just like to highlight him, to alert people one way, yes, because actually when I met him, he was the sweetest person. My family all loved him because he was so sweet and gentle, and that should have been a red flag because no one is that sweet. I didn't know that. I was in nursing school at the time, and I didn't have a lot of time dating, you know, to go out on dates. I met him in church. That's a highlight. He was the organist, and I thought, oh, what a nice person. 
So we dated for actually a year and a half, and then we got married. And it wasn't until after we got married that I started to see his true colors, and that's what I put in the book, Monroe's True Colors. It's not until then that I started to see little by little. So one thing I want to say to people, get to know someone. I did not, even though we dated for a year and a half, I did not get to know him that well. Uh, Get to know someone, know his family, know his background, know his past, know everything before you make a commitment. That's very good advice. Anything that would set this book apart from the crowd other than your story itself? What makes this story different? Oh, it makes it different um, from other stories is, I think, the way I handled it, uh, the way I came through. I, you know, I, I, I didn't stop. I didn't let anything down. I just continued. I just kept doing whatever I needed to do at that moment, one step at a time, to resolve the problem or get up or, and move along. The book title, again, is Trapped in the Middle. Our author, Adriana Rose. Where can we get a copy of your book? Oh, you can get it from authorhouse.com bookstore. You can get it through Barnes & Nobles also. You can get it from Amazon. They have the ebook, Books a Million. So um, those are places that you can right now go online. It's only online right now, and that's how we... Do you have any interest in writing another book? Yes, I've started because I'm getting a lot of feedback and... Most of the people that have read it told me, because the way I ended it, which was on purpose, they want to know um, how it ended. They want to know the rest of the story. The rest of the story. So Mm. I said, here I am. I turned out okay. They said, yes, but we want to know. So I've actually started it. Um, I was waiting to get this one out first. So I don't have a time frame as yet, but I'm going to do my best to get it out there as soon as possible. Thank you for joining us today. Again, the book, Trapped in the Middle, Adriana Rose, our author today. For Steve Jorgensen and Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you, here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all.
Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune into TogiNet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on TogiNet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on TogiNet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. Today we visit with the author of Guardian of Deceit, the latest novel from author William H. Coles. Welcome, William. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be with you. Uh, tell me a little bit about your book. Now, you have written other published pieces besides this one. This is not your first book. You know, I have uh, published uh, two collections of short stories. Um, one I'm very proud of, uh, which was a finalist in the Flannery O'Connor Award for Short Fiction. And I published uh, uh, three other novels uh, before this, this, this book. Um, all of those novels actually were finalists uh, in the William Faulkner William Wisdom competition. So uh, this is this is my uh, my fourth book, which has also uh, won an award um, recently uh, for uh, as, in a competition. This novel, Guardian of Deceit, was also a finalist in the 2012 William Faulkner William Wisdom Creative Writing Competition. Yes. Yes, uh, for, for two years in a row. That is amazing. Uh, that's a, an accomplishment just in itself. Now, the first chapter grabbed my attention. Your main character, I'm assuming, Darwin Hastings, shouldered his backpack to be doing something and checked to see his ticket was still in his jacket side pocket. With the call for boarding, he stepped to the gate, walked down the covered walkway, showed his ticket stub to a flight attendant who pointed him to his fifth row window seat. <laughs> The empty tension of being homeless and alone captured him. That got my attention. Tell me about the book. Where did the idea for this book come from, and what was your motivation? It is about uh, Darwin Hastings, and it covers uh, uh, his educational period, uh, uh, 12 years of his life, uh, going, uh, finishing uh, his uh, uh, college education and going into medical school. Um, Darwin has transferred uh, from Pittsburgh uh, to uh, to New York to a, to a mentor, his both his parents are dead, and he uh, this new mentor is a is a celebrity football player, um, and uh, as as Darwin comes, he he, he arrives at the mansion. Uh, he's only seen this uh, this cousin of his and who who is his mentor a couple of times when he was very young. And he's surprised to find at the mansion a, a collection of, uh, of strange celebrities and uh, a, a, uh, a former homicide detective, uh, uh, family members, uh, grandmother, um, a house manager who is, is, is hostile but kind in many ways, uh, and her beautiful daughter. And this group of people become his new family. He, um, it, it, it's... Uh, Strange for him because he he had a very very happy family relationship with his mother and father before they were both killed, and uh, he becomes actually uh, a leader of the family. Uh, this group of uh, mystics uh, uh, at the mansion. While he's in medical school, uh, and and then before uh, a little bit before he is taken on by a mentor, a doctor in the community, a neighbor. Uh, of the football player, 
and uh, this doctor uh, helps him uh, in in research and in his clinical activities uh, during medical school. And this this uh, uh, mentor has two uh, beautiful daughters, uh, both very very different, uh, and, but both craving um, love and. And uh, Darwin discovers, uh, as he gets to know them, uh, that um, love is a, is a complicated, complex relationship. Uh, and then he finds that both of these girls, although um, very, very attractive, uh, don't have capacity for the love that he expected uh, when he came um, to New York. So he goes through, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a medical suspense uh, thriller uh, type of novel. It's character-based uh, with a dramatic plot, um, and uh, I think you'll find it very enjoyable. What is it in your background that allows you and gives you qualification to write about medical topics? Uh, I was uh, a surgeon, uh, an ophthalmic surgeon. I specialized in trauma. Uh, I was always in academics, um, and I uh, was uh, a regent for the American College of Surgeons. Uh, I was uh, president of the Association of University Professors in Ophthalmology. I was a chairman of ophthalmology uh, at the State University of New York for a number of years, and uh, that sort of that that was the background of my medical background. Uh, I, I stopped practice uh, in, in academics. About uh, 16 years ago, I guess, and uh, became a fiction writer. What's your target audience in this particular novel? You know, I'm, I'm looking uh, for serious readers uh, who enjoy uh, uh, suspense mystery um, and enjoy classical structure to novels. Uh, in other words, my, my goal has always been to, to create uh, characters in depth, have character-based plots where a character foils uh, and uh, their traits uh, actually drive the, uh, the, 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 the plot on the novel. Um, and, the, um, and so uh, uh, that goal for me, I was a poet previously, uh, and I had uh, for a number of years um, been uh, honored in a number of ways. I, I won the uh, the uh, Kellenwald Poetry Prize in Atlanta, and I was a featured poet uh, at the Atlanta Arts Festival, uh, that sort of uh, uh, background. And then I switched into, uh, into fiction uh, and completely stopped uh, poetry because I felt fiction had a way for me to tell stories that I wanted to tell. And I wanted to tell them in the classic sense. I wanted to, I wanted to make it, and I wanted to make my stories meaningful, entertaining, I wanted to engage my uh, my readers, and I hope I do that well. And it's my my major goal is to is to bring uh, that the reader into the into the novel uh, to enjoy knowing the characters and to actually be almost involved in their solving their problems as they go through the novel. Oh, and writing this book was it characters first or was it plot first when you were assembling the idea to put this together? Uh, it, it's it's combined. Uh, it's um, it's it's not. Uh, I, I don't just sit down and then create the character and then put him into a plot. Uh, it's a it's a story. I, I have a story that uh, I want to tell. Uh, it, it, it often uh, is about uh, love in general, 
um, but it also has uh, some uh, suspense aspects, usually uh, within uh, medical the medical field. Uh, my, uh, uh, my 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 second novel, for example, had um, um, a a subplot about uh, the. Uh, uh, of long eye surgery in which an operation is done on the long eye and covered up by an academic academic institution, and uh, the characters are involved in this, and, and uh, that that uh, allows a substrate of of, of suspense as as it, as it goes through as to how this will turn out and whether justice will be done, and that's the type of thing that drives. Novels. I, I am a doctor, and that's what I, what I lived in for so long, and uh, that allows the, uh, the the milieu for for um, uh, these these plots and these characters to uh, to advance. Do you have an ongoing stream of ideas that come to you? I do. I I, I love to write short stories, which uh, uh, I've done now twenty four that have been published and. and uh, and are available uh, on on the internet um, on my website for free, um, and they're 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 very popular, and and, and they all they they come from a wide uh, experience that I've had. I've lived in in Europe and uh, lived in uh, many different cities in the in the United States, and um, and I have many leadership positions, and all of that has been. Uh, uh, a resource for me to to tell stories about people, about people, how they how how they get into uh, various conditions and, and how they get out, and uh, uh, and 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 you know in meaningful ways is how how do they meaningfully um, solve their problems? Um, what do they learn from that? Uh, and that's what. Uh, uh, Brings these stories out for me. Uh, it, it, it'll. It, it is, I have a list of things actually that uh, just incidents and um, ideas and thoughts about people and uh, and. But everything is is imagined for me. I write fiction. I'm not a memoir writer who just doesn't tell the truth. Or uh, I, I actually I actually create these characters and I create the plots. Amazing. It's 320 pages. How long did it take you to flush out this story? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It, it, it just, it, sometimes it goes on for for you know, months or a, a couple of years while you get everything into place and get the ideas uh, and the timelines and the, and the, the overall aspects. Uh, the writing, uh, I write um, uh, almost every day uh, for a number of hours because I enjoy it, and uh, the uh, and I would say you know I write oh two three thousand uh, words a day, um, and uh, uh, and uh, and I spend a lot of time in revision also uh, during the day, um, so it takes you know a number of months uh, a year maybe. Um, to uh, to bring a story of that length uh, to the page. You're a disciplined wordsmith. Uh, any controversial aspects to this book? Uh, the Guardian of the Sea uh, deals with a number of issues. Uh, it deals with sexual harassment uh, in in the medical workplace. Um, it, it 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 deals with uh, the. Uh, with, with malpractice uh, and uh, the how malpractice is uh, 
is is handled and managed in in, um, in, in medical situations. Uh, it, it deals, uh, quite frankly, uh, there's a, uh, a, a, a good deal about about love. It's love and it, it's uh, the aspects of love, uh, love and lust, uh, love and caring, love and selflessness. Uh, how people discover that and how they value that and how they create uh, love relationships, not only in the romantic way, but but um, with uh, siblings and, and family and um, and uh, friends and that, and that sort of broad aspect of the, the development of love. Um, and I, I don't know that that's controversial anyway, but I think it is revealing in, in the way that that we all we all uh, do things differently, and it's so uh, and it's helpful to see how others others. Uh, approach uh, love among humans. Does your story take place in contemporary times? It is, yes, yes. Anything that would have a contemporary message that you're trying to convey? Well, I, I, my, my, uh, my messages are, I, I, I consider, uh, and I don't mean to be arrogant in this, but, um, but universal in the sense, um, you know, they're not, they're not particularly time-related. They're related to humanity and and uh, the human experience, uh, what it means to be human, and uh, in 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 a in a broader sense, in a more abstract sense, uh, they really deal with the meta- metaphysical questions. In about how how do we make a contribution? Why are we here? Uh, is there a God? You know, what is beauty? Those those sort of questions. And I, and I don't I don't ever ever. That's always in the background. I'm not I'm not a not a preacher, and I'm not, you know, not a not a teacher of philosophy in any way. But but I I, I do like to have those sort of questions uh, in 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 embedded in the plot. Uh, and embedded in the character development, uh, these these are people who who want to make a difference. People who want to uh, to to be satisfied as they look back over the story that um, is their life. They want to they they want to look at it and say, "Gee, that that was the best I could do," and uh, you know I'm happy with that. Now, Guardian of Deceit, you mentioned was character driven. If a movie producer happened to pick up your novel and started reading it, is there anything in there that's exciting that might stand out from the page and drive him to want to produce a movie? Oh, listen, I, yeah, thanks for the question. I, I, I'd like to speak to all movie directors at this very moment. Um, I, there, there's always suspense in my novels, and, of course, the... The, the type of suspense uh, comes from conflict, action, and resolution. And uh, there are a number of conflicts in here. There, there are conflicts, uh, uh, oh, well, major conflicts. It is, there is a murder uh, in the middle of the uh, uh, the uh, novel, uh, and there it's, it's a key uh, issue to find out, find out who uh, who murdered because it's uh, very much part of uh, Darwin Hastings. Uh, um, development and his understanding of his mentor and the people around him. So, so uh, that's that, that's one of the areas. Uh, there are a number of other sort of legal issues. Uh, I mentioned sexual harassment and how that that comes about. Uh, the actual actions that 
precipitate uh, the harassment and, and how that is handled. Um, uh, and it's, it's not not easy for the characters to be able to deal with this because there are always uh, subtle issues. And, and that's, that's the type of thing that uh, would drive uh, uh, the, the plot in a, in, in a, in a movie, in essence. Uh, the other major thing is that the, uh, the guardian, of the, who is the guardian of the seat, uh, is is on the downhill road as far as his career goes. He's taking performance-enhancing drugs. And he's a, uh, a chronic uh, uh, addicted gambler. And he uh, uh, is uh, he's, he's, he marries a, a really wonderful celebrity pop singer. Uh, who supports him uh, uh, without any reservation, and uh, and his his life just just uh, falls apart in many ways, and uh, and, and and he actually uh, uh, creates a felony, and 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 how how that resolution occurs would be uh, of great interest, I think, to uh, a director who who wanted to find. Uh, the energy that, uh, that, that that drives uh, uh, the plot. It certainly has my attention. 320 pages. Again, the title of the book is Guardian of Deceit, a great title. The author, William H. Coles. Thank you, William, for joining us today. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Tell me about uh, the locations. Where can we find your book? And also tell us about your website. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, the, the book is available in many different formats, um, and, and uh, you can find it uh, on all, almost uh, every uh, commercial uh, publisher. Uh, you can find it on Barnes & Noble. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's on Kindle. Uh, it's uh, on all e-books. Uh, I also uh, have recorded uh, uh, audio, uh, the audio for uh, all of my work, and that's available. Uh, through uh, Amazon, but also um, uh, Open Book Audio um, also also uh, is a source for that. Uh, it's uh, on an app on, on an Apple app. All of my um, my work is um, on on an app to, to be able to, for uh, to be read by um, uh, tablets um, uh, for iPad and and iPhone and other other mobile devices. Um, I uh, the my my work is also all all available on on website storyandliteraryfiction.com, and uh, you can go to that to the website and also find all the other places where where it is available. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the website uh, is a website that I created uh, to uh, for writers uh, as a resource for learning. Um, over the past years, uh, I've, I've been intense on my desire to learn to write fiction well, and I've taken over a hundred workshops um, uh, in in that period of time. And uh, I've I've done that to, to contribute ideas about workshops to the website, but also just for learning. And as I was doing that, I began to, uh, as an educator for thirty years in academic medicine. I began to um, um, create essays uh, that would would help writers, and I put this up on on the website. Uh, today, uh, we're running about uh, two million uh, page views a year. 
for the educational portions. And uh, uh, those, uh, for example, you could go and you can uh, read an essay on dialogue, which is the most popular. That has about 35,000 readers a year. And uh, uh, narration, for example, uh, uh, plot development, uh, character-based plots. You can, you can, you, all, all, all these types of essays, voice, point of view. Um, so, and that uh, was a, I, that that established me basically as an educator online. Uh, it's been uh, been very popular, and it's also been a source where I can put up my my stories as as they're published, and uh, that's been a good idea too. For example, um, the uh, most popular story not right now is the gift. And uh, that has had in 18 months over 200,000 readers on the, on the website. So the website has provided for me a way to to get my work out. I mean, my goal has been to have people read my work, and uh, and that's been, been been successful. And I would I would just uh, give advice to uh, uh, to new authors that if they do want um, that goal to get people to read them, to have their work available and at reasonable prices or for free, that uh, look at the internet and the website. Uh, it by far is the upcoming and uh, most efficient way to get your work out there and have it read by people you want to have read it. Solid advice. Again, the book's titled Guardian of Deceit, the author William H. Coles. Thank you, William. Hey, thank you. Take care now. For Talk and Author House Publications, this is J. Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us. 
for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. For Steve Jorgensen and for Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Today we visit with author H. Edward Schreier to discuss a book he's written, The Battle of the Three Wills, as it relates to good and evil. Welcome, Ed. Good morning. And how is your day going so far? Well, it uh, starts with a little bit of confusion, but it usually straightens out as time goes along. Well, maybe it's one of those will things that's gotten in the way. Tell me about this book. Is this a um, a novel, or is it a fiction, nonfiction? How, do, how would you describe this? Well, I guess I'm not sure exactly what category it fits in, uh, but it's, uh, it's a result of a, a several-year-ago goal that I set some 40 years ago. I set a goal to write a book and life gets in the way and uh finally uh circumstances and finances uh got to a point where i could take the time to do it uh the book is uh entitled the battle of the three wills as it relates to good and evil it's obviously the main characters in this is the will of god the will of satan and the will of man as it plates out on earth here. Would you call this a religious study, uh, documentation? How would you describe it? Well, it starts out using the Bible as the, as the basis uh, in order to establish my understanding of God's will and Satan's will and man's will. I sought the scriptures to, to, uh, to back that thesis up but then I take it to the level of current events. That's really right down where the rubber hits the road. So we talk about uh, a multi- multiple things that are, are current events, that, and, and using this application of, or, of either using it or not using it, but uh, certainly the, the fact that if God's will were used, uh, I'm, I'm sure things would be a lot different. Your background is in real estate. You've written some articles in that field. I have. I've uh, been a realtor since 1959. I had the good fortune of serving in various offices, including the president of the Indiana Association of Realtors in 73, taught Sunday school, and, and uh, have also been in politics. Uh, I was elected twice to our town council and once as a county commissioner, so I've been involved in giving speeches, preparing speeches, uh, preparing lesson plans, and writing articles for some time. Uh, I get some critique in my style, but uh, I write a lot like I speak. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it just happens to be the way I do it. This is a biblical thesis in some regards. Your chapters deal with a lot of the practical application of faith, but you also address abortion immigration, situation ethics, and the one that's really hot right now is being politically correct. How did you address the politi- politically correct issue? Well, I, I think if there's ever any approach to uh, man's communication uh, to try to work it in almost to a lie, uh, I, 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 you know, to me, I'm a bottom line person. It is what it is. Say it like it is. And the camouflage and the underlying uh, implications of a lot of the uh, 
of this political correctness uh, uh, it's just gotten gotten beyond uh, the veil as far as I'm concerned. I, I happen to be one that agrees with you. There's a lot of issues that are so silly that are couched in political correctness that it's messing up our communication on a real level. Yeah, and there's a, the real bottom uh, motivating factor in this, in my opinion, is let's just take Xmas. Uh, we've taken Christ out of Christmas with the convenience of of a, a term that you can write quickly, you can market it quickly, uh, and and just pass over it. And then so it's the real underlying part is uh, is in my opinion the will of Satan. And in New York City, they have not been allowed to even describe whether it's male or female when they see a perpetrator on the street. I've heard that as a possible uh, new direction for political correctness. Yeah, it's a. It just to me, uh, the, the basis of it is a lie. Uh, you know, tell it like it is. Uh, some things are hurtful, but uh, it, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. And what was your motivation in putting this book together? I suppose the primary motivation is is as a Christian, I'm I am uh, driven by the fact that we are to spread the gospel. Uh, and I have called individually on people through our church uh, evangelism and, and missionary programs and uh, spreading the gospel, but it's a slow process. Uh, so my hope was that this book could reach more people than I could on, uh, you know, with my personal efforts. Uh, so certainly carrying out the Great Commission would have to be it. But to try to point out also that... that uh, this doesn't all revolve around man, and it seems to me in the decisions that are made by courts, by by uh, the Congress, by legislative bodies, uh, it's just uh, it's just man-driven. And uh, obviously, our universities or uh, you know don't even don't even consider Christianity on in any part of their curriculum anymore. Uh, if anything, it's uh, anti. Christian uh, that's being taught. So the, the world is being driven into darkness, is being uh, covered with darkness, and my opinion is that we've just simply got to get continue to battle to get the word out. So saving souls is the, is the basis, but at the same time, uh, you know, we've, got to, we've got to continue to live on this earth, and uh, we've got to, in my opinion, seek God's will first in all these issues and not just let it revolve around man and his decisions and his thoughts. You've been very courageous, some would say forceful, in stating some of your opinions and some of your direction. You've dealt with chapters like Arab Spring, Iran, right. Israel, right. the Soros effect, Armageddon. Tell me about your view of the Arab Spring. What do you think is happening there? And are you also dealing with prophetic events that are mentioned in Scripture? Yes, without a doubt. I, I end up in Armageddon, uh, so there's no question that uh, we we take this all the way to the end times. Uh, there's a huge battle. Uh, obviously, the, the Muslim influence today uh, is uh, uh, is without a doubt, 
at a higher level and intensity than uh, than I've ever seen it before, and, and it perhaps is because it's certainly covered at a greater extent than before. Uh, throughout my life, the exposure to what was going on in, in the in the Muslim mindset and the and the Koran uh, was pretty much foreign to my thinking. But uh, when when I did the when I read the Koran and compared is God of the Bible the same as Allah of the Koran, uh, it didn't take long for me to figure out that this is this book didn't come from the God I, I serve. Uh, so in my opinion, uh, and I state it very emphatically in the book, that, uh, that I really believe that Satan is the author of, uh, of that book and the, the religion in which they're following. The, the, you know, they talk about... Uh, the the Muslim out here that's uh, that's active and motivated and so on and so forth. Well, the whole the whole teaching of the Quran is to eliminate the infidels. It's you know it's not a love fest. This is a this is either well let's just go to let's go to the incident in Africa the other day. You know the first question those terrorists ask is uh, you know if you're a Muslim you you can get out of here. If you're not we're we're going to eliminate you. And that's where the rubber's on the road today in, in the spreading of the Christian gospel and in the fight. There's more to this than just uh, winning, winning uh, uh, people to your point of view. It's, uh, this, is, this is life or death, in my opinion. I am one that agrees with you. This book, who do you think it will appeal to and who do you want to reach with it? Well, of course, it's got multiple approaches of uh, audiences. Uh, you know the chapter eight that that uh, is the plan of salvation for man is extremely important. I think that's uh, certainly the core of all of this. Uh, but I want to I want to get eyes open to people who really I don't believe have any idea what's going on in this world. Uh, if you watch local. Uh, the the uh, mass media today, <clears throat> short of Fox, I'm not sure you're really getting exposure to what's going on in the world. And if you're not reading your Bible and understand it from a biblical standpoint and from from uh, God's attempt to communicate to man, uh, you're living in you're just living in a little corner someplace and uh, not getting the message. So I think getting this message out to multiple audiences is important. You know, I'm going to fire up a lot of people. You know, I don't know how how much of a threat that I am to mankind, but uh, I pull no punches in this book because it's I'm 78 years old, and the bottom line is that I've not got a lot of years left on this earth to uh, to uh, to be able to spread the message that I feel needs to be spread. Well, courageous to be politically incorrect and write this book of 434 pages. Uh, describe the process. How you say it took a number of years to actually get this into print. What was the process of writing this book? Well, I, it it was first of all a collection of Sunday school class uh, lessons. It was a I've kept every speech that I've ever made, and of course uh, they were not all germane to what's happening today, but they had an effect on on building my opinion, uh, forming my opinions, 
so I have kept these things through the, through the years. I'm I'm a, uh, I, a current event kind of freak. I've always uh, tried to stay up, read a lot of newspapers, and uh, obviously with the internet today, there's an enormous amount of information out there, more than one can assume can consume it at times. But um, uh, my, my main problem was that I was managing. Uh, I'm going to call a small fortune, uh, and it just took my every wakeful moment to keep the doors open and keep uh, keep people hired and keep keep people trained and and meet the criteria that I had for running a business because not only the real estate business but I branched out, built housing. I've built over 350 homes in my life. I have I've run a consortium of uh, real estate brokers to offset the the uh, effect of uh, of the franchises uh, i built a golf course and and uh, built condos around it and i've done a lot of things that just simply consume consume you every moment of your life so just in the back of my head this was there but i got to tell you a phrase that just haunted me uh since since i've indicated i've watched a lot of tv it doesn't take very long in the talking heads uh, industry to come around to a point of where we've got to do the following followed by the phrase so it'll never happen again I guess the audacity of people who would 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 just think that through maybe getting somebody's head or changing some law or uh, modifying some strategy restructuring some policy or this type of thing alone would meet the forces of God's will, Satan's will, and and evil uh, situations that are have occurred and going to continue to occur. It's just it's frightening to hear that statement. So I suppose that is once I got rid of part of this empire. Unfortunately, the 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 uh, economy that slammed us all in 2008. I was no exception. Uh, got down to the point of where I do not have all of those uh, assets or the liabilities, uh, I found time to sit down and, and uh, pour into this book uh, thought processes that I've formed over these years. There are other books in the marketplace that deal with Christianity, with evangelism and outreach. Why is this book different? Well, because I believe that... Uh, Many, many of the books that I read uh, are man-driven. That is, it's a man's idea. Uh, I don't believe that they go right where the rubber hits the road on on what is God's will in this issue? What is our enemy's will in this issue? For man with a free will to take those things into consideration when you are making a decision or whenever you are teaching or whenever you are writing a book or, or make, you know, making a, uh, a lesson plan or whatever the case might be. Uh, I think there's a real, because man, because man has free will, it's awful easy to get over into the category where, where you just use that as your primary motivator and not really depend on the scriptures and and what uh, what God has in mind in these issues, uh, we don't know what God has in mind. But that's why it's important to pray for His will. Uh, you know, we can have a grand idea, but uh, 
it doesn't always be a grand idea to him. So I think if we yield just the Lord's Prayer alone, just sums it up. You know, we need to get forgiveness of our sins, and we need to forgive others, and we need to seek God's will on these issues. And uh, we ask for God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Man, that sums it up in my mind. Very good point. This book covers a wide range of issues and certainly heads, certainly addresses them head on. The book, again, is called The Battle of the Three Wills as it relates to good and evil. The author, H. Edward Schreier. Ed, thank you again for joining us today. Great to be with you, Jay Douglas. I appreciate your, uh, the chance to have this discussion. I enjoyed it very much, and I would recommend this to anyone that has an interest in theology or interested in religion or in the gospel. This is the kind of book that they can dig into and get their feet wet if they need to or get in there and do some deep study. Thank you very much. Tell us, Ed, uh, where can we get a copy of your book? Well, I can certainly they can come to my website, which is uh, uh, just email me at eschreier uh, at tds, that's tomdickersam.net. You can direct them to various sources, or we can, they can buy it direct or whatever the case might be. That's probably the best place to do it. Well, thank you, sir, for joining us today. All right. And the last name is spelled S-C-H-R-I-E-R. For Author Talk and Author House Publications, this is J. Douglas Barker.